Welcome to Feels Like Healing with me, Al Lewis. A podcast where I talk to artists about how creativity has helped them process their grief. The reason I'm making this podcast is because when I was 21, I lost my dad to MS. That seismic moment in my life made me decide to become a singer-songwriter. I'd been making music before that point, but never considered it a life choice or as a career. However, after the death of my dad, creativity became a solace for me and a way I could express both my joy and my pain. It made me feel alive in the very moment when I was confronted with the ephemeral nature of life and the devastating reality of loss. So I wanted to talk to other people who've ended up in the creative world, but who've also experienced loss, to see whether they have similar stories of why they got into creativity or whether they were already creative people and just happened to suffer grief. I hope during these conversations that I will come to better understand grief and why it makes us feel how we feel and do what we do. This is Feels Like Healing. This week on Feels Like Healing, I'm uh, delighted to welcome the brilliantly talented author Manon Stefan Ross to talk with me. Hi Manon, how are you doing? Hi Al, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, thanks for coming on this podcast. First of all, I like to ask my guests to give a brief a brief biography of who you are and what you do. Oh, uh, okay. So I'm Manon. I'm thirty nine. I feel like I'm on blind date. I'm, I'm, sort of I'm still. I'm still a. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a writer. I've been a writer for about um, uh, sixteen, seventeen years, and and I started when I had my eldest child. Um, and I live in Mid Wales, so I, I write books, um, but also do a bit of screenwriting and um, yeah, I write uh, anything they pay me to. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so tell me, this this podcast is about the relationship between uh, grief and creativity. So can you tell me whether there is a link there for you, and at what point in your life did you first encounter grief, and and what was that like? Uh, yeah, the link is just so clear to me. Um, and especially the more time that passes, I think I can see it more clearly. Is that mm-hmm. that's, that's where it kind of originated from, really. Um, I lost my mother um, when I was 19. Um, she was 44 and she died quite sudden, suddenly. She had um, cancer. And that was my first experience of grief. So I hadn't lost sort of grandparent before then. Wow. So yeah, it was really kind of sudden and and brutal and terrible, really. Um, And it's weird because just while I was thinking about this podcast and sort of measuring it out in my head, I was just thinking, oh gosh, it's this year in the summer, it will be 19 years since she died. And I was 19 when she died. So God, yeah, so you've lived a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really odd kind of measuring tool, that time (laughs) thing, because, you know, they say the time heals everything. And and, and I I do think the grief changes, the nature of the grief Mm. changes. But to think that it's been 19 years since I had a chat with my mum is mad. I just can't. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, for you, were you. Obviously, you were still so young, nineteen years old. Were you, were you a creative person before then? You know, growing up, were you, were you, were you particularly creative before you lost your mum? I think I've always kind of leaned that way, um, but I, I wasn't writing 
but then I was um, when she died I was an actor I was oh, working okay. as an actor and then I did that until um, I had my first child I think I was 20, 21 when I had him um, and to me you know I, th- I think the link between losing mam and starting to write is so obvious mm. um, because what happened is that when I was pregnant with Evan um, I became really aware of the way we view people who have died so mm-hmm. you know I have pictures of mam in my house um, and I be- sort of became aware that this child that I was carrying he would get to know her through the things that I would say and the stories I would tell but to him she would always be a two-dimensional figure in a frame Mm. on the wall and that really upset me Mm. because I thought it's not it's the same way as I see sort of a great uncle that was lost in the war or something you know you you feel them and you love them in in a certain way but there's no real connection and so what I decided to do was I um I wrote a children's story and I um, I put Mam as a character in one of the, in the story. So the yeah. main characters are um, in my first novel, which is a novel for for older children. They're Cled and Shan, and Shan is Mam. And in the novel, she's fourteen and she's feisty and she's funny and she's cool and she's exactly how my mother was. And I think that became to me the the best way I had to introduce my kids to my mother after. A couple of years and I was writing more and kind of that book led to another book and you know I'm, I've written a lot now but I think the books afterwards when the grief went, wasn't so raw it's exactly as you were saying you know even the most recent ones that I I think that I'm writing fiction and then a couple of years pass <laughs> and I think oh actually no that I can pinpoint the loss I can pinpoint the grief in that and that's one of the mm. things that kind of upsets me about the whole thing when I'm looking back at the creative connection is it's often not about mam but about the absence of mam and I think if she mm-hmm. was still here yeah. I wouldn't have written that so it's the loss that's created this and there's a certain guilt that yeah. comes with that I think and I think we're like you said about you know describing your mum to your kids and your fear that she's going to be two-dimensional I think there's there's an element of that in why we create as well we're trying to fill those gaps aren't we we're trying to plug those holes that the, mm-hmm. the person has left by by not being here and so I mean it sounds like to me that you were quite clearly processing your grief from from the very beginning because one of the reasons I have started this podcast is because I realized that a lot of my grief I'd sort of buried and not wanted to deal with um, at the time and have now come to a place where I feel a bit stronger and able to do that so what was that like a 19 year old because I feel like for me when I was because I was just a couple of years older than you 21 I felt suddenly so much older than all my friends and, and that life was suddenly had this different tint to it how what was life a 19 year old man unlike after losing her mum yeah I, I completely understand where you're coming from it's that club isn't it you know like you and I don't know each other at yeah. all but I know that if I met you 
we're we're both in this club of knowing what it's like to live with grief. Mm-hmm. And I remember realizing that this kind of club existed and that people who had lost people suddenly understood I understood them and they understood me and thinking god I don't want to be part of this club I don't want to know what this feels like yeah and I think that thing of um repressing your own grief I I don't think I've ever done that but I think I did the complete opposite and it overtook everything um not Mm not in any sort of visibly destructive way so I was still living my life and I was still sort of functioning and I was still you know able to be happy and and create and all of that stuff but I think there's a point at I I decided to own the grief so Mm -hmm. I was owning it I was owning the the feelings and the hurt and I was open about it and I think a point came where I owned the grief until the grief owned me kind of thing. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, God, how do I get out of this then? Because I'm, I'm just going on about it all the time. And at the end of my whole work is kind of based on this pain, really. And yeah. how do I get out of that? And that took a hell of a long time. And to be completely honest with you, it's like in the last two years, 18 months that I've come to the conclusion that you don't have to be tortured in order to make creative work that counts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's true, isn't it? There's, there's always that feeling that there's got to be some well of pain that you're drawing from. But um, but that's interesting that you say, you know, it's taken this long. Because I don't know about you, but when I was younger, when it first happened, when Dad died, I was 21, I thought oh it's going to be a linear thing that it'll mm. be this intense thing at the beginning and then it will just gradually die down and I, I now realise that, that was I wish I'd not thought that and it's complete and utter nonsense and that it's it's yeah. these waves that come and go and like you said you can be fine for a long time and then you might see something or watch something or read something and then it's just that moment it takes you back into it isn't it um, so I know that you're from a, a family, a, a big family, um, did you guys lean on each other to talk about your grief? Because I was interested in what you said about, you know, you you were quite open and owning it. Um, was that same across the whole, all the members of the family or did you all treat it differently? I think grief is a really, you can only really do it on your own. Mm -hmm. I I do think that the one thing, because she was so young, it was a real, there was a real sense of tragedy about the whole thing. And when I've subsequently lost other members of the family um, that are older, it's it's been quite shocking to me that it hurts so much to Mm. lose. Because I always thought, after she died, I thought, well, you know, this hurts so much because she was so young and mm. it was a tragedy and, and, you know, but actually it always hurts. It doesn't matter mm. if they're old and they had a good death, it, it always hurts. So I, I, but I did notice that because she was young, what, what we were all doing was thinking, oh, it's worse for this other person. So I think my grandparents, her parents were thinking, well, it's worse for the kids because they've lost their mum. But we were thinking, well, it's worse for them because they've lost their daughter. Yeah. But what that creates is that you, do, you kind of, 
grief is something you do on your own because you have a complete everyone has a completely different relationship with that individual were you were you quite an open family because um that's another thing that i've come to learn about myself and my family or my dad's side of the family is that growing up in rural north wales it's particularly for men it's it's quite a difficult thing to talk about your emotions and how you're feeling and and I don't know if that's a Welsh or a North Walian, Northwest Walian thing. Did were you guys able to talk to each other about it, or you know, or was just bringing her up? Because I felt like, you know, even bringing Dad up would would cause pain, and therefore it was not something to be talked about. What about you? Yeah, I, th- I think I think we we were open and quite emotive about it. We allowed our, ourselves to feel what we felt, but I think the thing is. If you do bring them up, it does hurt. Mm. So it's true. It's kind of it, it. It makes sense, but you still kind of should. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I yeah. think I don't know how you feel, but one of the things that really triggers the grief in me is anything sort of when anything happens, like um, with the with the kids. You know, mm. at first when you have your children, and then the that there's a really close member of your family that isn't there to see them. Mm. But also like in a school concert or if one of the kids passes an exam or or even sort of scores a goal or something, sometimes <laughs> I'm like, oh God, yeah, she's not she's not here, is she? Mm. I don't know if you feel the same since you've had Yeah, I've felt like becoming a dad for me has been a like a double-edged sword for the grief in some ways it's really helped and it's um given me yeah that sort of that framework of family and belonging that I think I missed because I think as well for me because I was an only child so it was and also my parents were divorced so it was only ever either me or dad or me and mum and then it was only me and mum so I always felt then this sort of disconnect so having a family really helped with that just like you mentioned about you know the them being a 2d character and it's and yet at the moment for for my daughters he's just a a face on the fireplace and Mm. and I think certainly another thing I want to do like like you were saying about your book is to insert him into my songs in 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 ways that he he is more more color colored and um I think, yeah, again, that goes back to, for me, the link between creativity and grief is that it allows an expression of, of that love that you can't express to the person, doesn't it? And and allows you to portray them to the world when they can't portray themselves. Yeah, it's, you know, love is an energy. and energy doesn't ever cease. It just changes. And I kind of think about that a lot where does that energy of love go for her um after that first book you wrote did you did she did she crop up constantly it was weird because you know i i wrote that book and my first child was a really young baby when that came out and i kind of just carried on writing stuff and my kids sort of grew up a little bit. And then he went to high school and the first book they read as a class was that book. <laughs> and he hadn't, I hadn't read it to him before. No. He hadn't read it oh. before. 
and I was like, I, I kind of, and the other thing that happened was I moved back to the area where my mum's from. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm from Rhiwlas, um, a village um, not far from Bethesda, but I moved to Towin in Meirionydd and um, this is where my mum's from and this is where she went to school and this is, you know, my grandparents up the road and all of that kind of thing. And it was really weird to think that he was in school, my son was in school being read this book about mum in the school that she went to. Yeah. And, you know, I know that there's a photograph of her in the school photo on the wall. And that kind of, it, it's just a cycle. It's just a cycle that, you know, everything comes back. And, and I've worked really hard not to put any massive significance on it as well. I've kind of said to them, oh, you know that Shan in that book, you know, that's your name. And they're kind of going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I think I, I don't want to weigh them down with, with the grief that I carry. Hmm. But that's the funny thing as well, because I don't know, your dad must have been young when he died as well. Yeah, a little bit older than your mum. He was 52. Um, but um, it was a much more gradual thing. Um, he had multiple sclerosis, so it wasn't oh, like gosh. cancer. It was more of a gradual decline. Um, so were you always aware that he was... No, well. the thing about MS is it can hit people differently. And... Um, it's one of the reasons why people don't really understand it is that for some people it's something that they can live with and they can live till they're old and you know it's it's just um something that prevents them from either being able to lift things it, it affects your nervous system um but for dad unfortunately he had the the worst kind which is like a progressive degenerative disease that just slowly chips away at you until you know you're bedridden and then and then that's it really so it was it was quite odd experience as a teenager because you obviously when you're a teenager you're the most selfish uh <laughs> introverted or, or not maybe not introverted for everyone but you know life the world revolves around you doesn't it when you're a teenager but then when something like that happens it sort of skews everything and mm. but um I just I think I wonder if that's a different experience as well you know to grow up with the knowledge of of that illness and and the threat of of um loss yeah i Not think just it, the actual loss you know it's always kind of been a threat it's a, you know that must be really hard i think like you said it, it's permeated in in a lot of my work and it certainly made me grow up a lot quicker than i probably wanted to mm. <laughs> and uh you know you look at your friends going out and being silly and you just there's this thing about you that you're just a lot more serious I think you just you know mm-hmm. you know about the fragility of life a lot more than maybe you wish you did um yeah. there's definitely and, a gravity to it isn't there the, yeah it, it's kind of I always think about it as like it's you always know that you yourself too are gonna die and I think that that has a creative effect as well because you know to to work as you and I do, so we work creatively. It's a massive risk because you know we, we might just not get any work anymore, <laughs> and you know we might be broke. And the other thing is just the risk of of judgment, so that people might look at one of my books and 
you know, think think it's complete rubbish and they will tell me so and I might get horrible reviews. And I, I, with every single thing that I put out there creatively, I might fail. Mm, so, yeah. but because I'm living with the knowledge of death, I think, well, either I write this and take this risk yeah. or I don't. I think that's what grief gave me is that, that backbone, that thick skin. That's just, mm. From what you're saying, it sounds the sim- similar thing. You know, you feel like, well, I've been through this. There's there's nothing worse than this. So, like you said, if I get a bad review or people don't come to my concert, it's it's not going to be as bad as this and I can deal with it. And I think that, like you said, in the creative world, you, it's such a precarious thing to try and do that if you've got that bit of extra steel in your soul to sort of be able to endure those tough times I think that that's what makes us able to do this job I think don't you yeah I do and the other thing is the I don't know if you have this but like the ticking clock thing so I'm 39 now and I realized a couple of years ago that I'd been unconsciously carrying this ticking clock around with me where because my mum died when she was 44 I'm counting down to 44 so I feel like I have to do everything before I'm 44 because anything after that is extra time yeah yeah I think I I certainly felt like at the beginning in my 20s I was I was just working like non-stop with like you said probably this ticking time bomb of like right I've got to release albums got to keep going got to do all these gigs got to and then like you said if you stop and think well why why, what's the rush I think Mm -hmm. it's probably what you said it's this feeling that you're not going to have very long and um and yeah and it's weird and do you feel like you're saying you're, you're 39 now I'm just a couple of years younger than you I'm I'm starting now to to see or to feel myself the age that I remember my dad which is a really oh, yeah. weird thing for me because this is the age where I start to have memories so he had me when he was 30 yeah 30 so so yeah when I was six seven these are the the formative years of my memories and so this Mm. this part of my life feels quite significant in that that aspect of the grief as well do you feel that yeah definitely definitely and that freaks me out (laughs) freaks me out a bit because I think (laughs) god yeah I remember mum really well at this age and also I think because my you know my mum had us when she was quite young and I've had my boys when I was quite young I think um she had her second child the same age as I had my second child. So I look at them and I think, I remember being your age. I remember mm. being sort of 16 and 12. And I remember her and what she seemed to me, like what how yeah. old she seemed to me at that time. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really odd thing. I think pe- parenthood really... But do you think it's helping you? Because I feel it. like it helps me like we were talking about before of sort of shaping that character in your head because you're now that age you can like you can maybe see more reflections of them in your in your way and in your personality do you think yeah I think you know when you're a little bit older and you just get that depth of experience and you know now realizing oh god yeah all this would have happened to her she would have gone through you know all the tiny and big things that you do go through and I'm, I she's not there. I can't, I can't ask her about it. And and 
what it boils down to at its most basic level really is I just want to talk to my mum. Mm, yeah. You know, that's yeah. that's the truth of it is yeah. that I, I just I just want to have a chat with her, and it's really it's really weird because she died before you know we were texting, but we didn't have kind of Facebook and all that, and we didn't have <laughs> yeah. WhatsApp, and we weren't taking photos with our phones. Yeah. There's no video footage of my mother at all anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I still now, nineteen years later, something happens and I reach for my phone and think I'm going to text my mum. Mm. You know. Yeah. And I think maybe that that energy has to go somewhere as well. And yeah. for me, it's it's the creative thing. I'm obsessive with my work. You know, I'm I am a bit of a workaholic. I will work all day of, well no I don't work all day but but I will be obsessive about <laughs> it and if I'm into something I will stay up until three in the morning and and I think that those times do tend to coincide with the times that I miss her the most And does your creativity still serve the same purpose for you that it did when you were 19 or 20, well 23 when you wrote your first novel is it? Are you going there for the same reasons? Is it for that um, emotional understanding of what you're going through, or or you go, are you going to creativity more now, like you say, because it's a job and you feel like you, you know you got to do it, or is it still a? Do you think you'd still be doing it if it wasn't your job? Uh, it's never a job. Um, <laughs> I'm really, really, really lucky because I get to do it <laughs> as a job, but I think the. The way that I started to write, because I started to write from grief, it's meant that writing has become my way of processing the world and mm-hmm. everything that happens that I don't understand and the people I don't understand. So mm-hmm. everything I kind of st- slightly struggle with, I have to deal with that through writing. Um, but recently, in the last couple of years, I feel like I'm writing from a place of of joy more than grief. And that's a really big change. And it, it feels like it feels like I'm free that's to cool. write exactly what I want to write and what you know, what is what interests me and not what I need to write. I don't know yet what kind of effect that, that's gonna have on on my writing. Was that pre or post the uh, Blue Book of Nebo? Post. That post, yeah. Yeah. But even with that, I, th- I think maybe even though I'm kind of starting, I'm creating from a starting point of joy at the moment, in five years I will look back at what I'm writing now and I'll think, yeah, you, you, that loss is still there. You know, it still kind of permeates everything. And for me, I think maybe it's that memento mori thing, is that everything that I write has that feeling of we know that our time is limited. There's also freedom in knowing that as well, isn't there? And there's a a desire to find the hope in life, perhaps. That's what I try in my songs. I try and acknowledge the sadness, but but not let it engulf me in everything that that I want to do. And that there's a that there's always like <laughs> sounds 
sounds like God. There's a light, but the, oh, no, you but know that the, yeah, the, the, there's a, that there's something in in the in the song that doesn't make you want to go find the nearest bridge. You know, it's like it's like <laughs> I do struggle with that. I have to say, I do tend to kind of write stuff that modesty but, would be proud of <laughs> on a bad day. But in the um, blue bo- in the blue book of Nebo, there's a really the the main character is a mum isn't she and mm. so th- was that character based a lot on your mum uh no i think that main character is me really but i think again looking back there's always the theme of motherhood mm-hmm. um in everything i write um but also it can translate into this theme of absence and an absent mother and I think... Do you think it's because those things happened for you so close to one another, like becoming a mother and losing your mother? That's why they're... Oh, yeah, I remember at the hospital, um, one of the sort of support workers saying, when she died, my brother was really young, so we had a lot of support because of that. And I remember one of them saying to me, you know, what happens really often when people lose a close family member is that they either get married really quickly or they have children really quickly really um and i think there is something in you know you you lose that kind of the family unit as you knew it and you create Mm -hmm. a new one Mm -hmm. to replace it and i don't think there's anything wrong with that actually and i'm i'm kind of glad i did things the way i did them but i do remember when when the eldest was born i remember there was a lot of missing her and just the practical stuff of you know did you have morning sickness and what was the birth like for you and mm. just that kind of thing that yeah. you, do, you know that that is a time when you you do want your mother yeah anyway yeah. i think um but with the books it's funny because i never see it at the time i never mm. recognize it at the time but then i go back and think and i remember being in a it was a sort of conference uh, um, where there was six form pupils who had been studying one of my books, and one of them said to me, "Oh, I'm writing a, an essay on your work, and I'm I'm thinking, well, the themes of your work, you know, motherhood and the loss of of uh, mothers." And I thought, "Oh my God, what is that a theme <laughs> in my work? Really?" And you then found she me was out. Kind of explain, yeah. And then she was explaining it, and I thought, "Oh my God, it is. You're right." <laughs> And I hadn't been able to spot it before. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it's just, it becomes such an integral part of you that creatively, I I think it would be dishonest of me creatively to not acknowledge it. Mm, Yeah. And do um, do you find there are aspects of grief in the literature and culture that you like that that you haven't created yourself that like that the, the the culture that you appreciate is do you gravitate towards that or do you look for something else when you're when you're consuming culture yourself mm, that's a really good question um i think at the beginning um in the first kind of five years maybe even 10 years i was just obsessed with anything about grief and anything mm. that you know i just wanted to hear other people's um experiences of it i wanted to know what it was like for them and i, I, I kind of was quite obsessed really with the with the loss mm. um 
and then I think now I've grief is really weird it's such a weird experience because I'm thinking about my grief now and I, I, I think well you know I think about her every day at some yeah. point but I don't feel I feel that now when I think about my mum I think about who she was and not the fact that she died yeah. but that took such a long time and sometimes I will be taken back to that time and remembering her in the hospital and remembering those first kind of weeks of grief and it will take me back but generally by now I think of her but this is nearly 20 years down the line you know it's taken such a long long while I think that's what I've noticed is it does take it takes time and it and it it's more like I said it's not a linear thing it's more like a river it ebbs and flows and so as I said to you my mum and dad were divorced so my dad still lived up in North Wales and so when he died he left me his his bungalow house and I was 21 and I didn't know what to do with it and I didn't really want to process the idea of going into his house and clearing all his mm-hmm. stuff so I just rented it out and then during the pandemic the person who was uh, renting it out decided they wanted to move and so I was confronted with this mausoleum almost you know of, oh. of, of this house that I had I'd stepped foot in it a few times to see the lady who lived there but not really spent much time in it and then I had to go up during the pandemic and clear it out and it was this w- massive wave of grief just hit me and made me realize that yeah I hadn't really processed it or come to terms with with the loss I'd just buried it and sort of and also buried myself into my work and just sort of plowed on without thinking of it mm-hmm. and so that's why I wanted to like you said I wanted to do what you said you'd done in terms of hearing other people's experiences and that's why I'm doing this podcast to talk to people to better understand grief. And it, 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 like you said, it isn't something that just um, disappears or or becomes simple. It's a ever evolving thing, isn't it? And like you said, parenthood then brings another new element into it. Um, but I think talking about it helps, doesn't it? I think it's it absolutely does. It must have been really hard as well for you to you know, clear out that bungalow in the pandemic when we were all kind of surrounded by death or the idea of death or the kind of threat of it. it. It was just, well, the weirdest thing was just finding thing. I don't know if you've found things out, but finding things out about your parents that you didn't know um, and just getting a better understanding of who they were as, it, mm-hmm. as an adult, because I don't know if you feel like this, but we were young and so we we saw our parents as through the eyes of children you know young adults mm-hmm. whereas i think when you get older and you get to look at your parent but you can see them as an adult and that changes the relationship mm-hmm. and and so when i was going through his things you you just things pop up and you're oh, okay that's that's what you thought about that or that's what oh, you were gonna yeah. and and things that you might have felt differently as a, as a child about your parent and I think that helps again to sort of shape the person in your head yeah but then I think that is so true and I think it happens it will probably happen for the rest of our lives that we will every now and then find snippets out about 
our lost parents, you know. So I because I live I live in um in the town where my mother went to school, you know. And sometimes like when I moved to, to this house, um, someone passed me on the street and, and they stopped and they said, sorry, are you related to Shan Bond? <laughs> because you look exactly like her. And I don't really, I don't really look like her. <laughs> but that meant so much to me. And then they, they would say stuff like, oh yeah, we when I was at school with her, she, she used to do this. Or she used to, and I, it was just tiny little details that meant everything Yeah, to that me must be lovely just, to hear it, stories. Yeah, but I think it will always happen. There'll always be stuff that we don't know that we'll find out kind of mm. slowly. And that is lovely, but it also... You, ha- you have to grieve that person as well then. Mm, yeah. So that is kind of someone an extra layer of someone that you've lost mm-hmm. apart from uh, writing what what else do you have in your life Manon that heals or f- feels like a, a healing process for you I've do you done I do a bit of kind of crafty embroidery stuff but I, I like I, I do like to walk I walk a lot um, and I, I I know it sounds a bit kind of pretentious and hippie but I think walking is a really meditative naturally meditative thing to do and one of the weird experiences I had recently was um, I don't know if you have this but I found like I remember I've got a really good memory I remember loads of stuff about my mum I remember her hands I remember the smell (laughs) of her hair you know and all that but I very quickly forgot her voice Mm. like I can't I can't remember what she sounded like when she talked and that God, that has hurt me so much that I can't remember that. And that's been for years and almost straight away I kind of forgot that. But it was about a year, maybe 18 months ago, I'd gone for a walk um, and we were up in kind of in the, in a forest and I was with my partner and he was kind of not looking at something not too far away and I, I called out um, uh, can you hear that and when I said those words I heard my mother yeah yeah and it was and I kind of stopped and he said no what are you talking about and that's like oh my god I could just I sounded exactly like my mother and I forgot that she sounded like that sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. And even stuff like that, she was not on my mind at that point. I wasn't in a particularly kind of grief-stricken way. It wasn't even... It wasn't even on my mind. And yeah. then all of a sudden, she was there. And that was lovely. And I think some, something like going for a walk and just being outside and that the kind of peace that that brings Hmm. it takes you somewhere I did is it do you feel uh, is it comforting knowing that you're living in the in the town that she was brought up was that a conscious move for you to do that to sort of maybe to sort of keep a connection yeah I think it is keeping a connection and I think it all is really all all to do with her but I don't 
to be completely honest, I don't know how healthy it is to make massive life decisions based on on your grief. And I think this is one of those. But actually, independently of all that, I'm, I happen to be really happy here. And it's a really lovely town and this is home. You know, but when I actually think of it, it could have gone so wrong because what was I looking for? What was I hoping from being here? Because she's mm. not here. Mm. You know, I kind but, of followed my grief a little bit, I think. Yeah. You feel like your relationship with your grief now is is different and that you've said that you, the the new book or the new pieces that you're writing have got this layer of of joy in them that you haven't noticed before. So do you feel like now you're at a stage in your life where not that your grief is manageable but that it's taken on a different form and that, that the love is a more of a positive love that yeah, you're, you're expressing I'm now not just writing about the death I'm writing about the life as well Yeah, and that's liberating that I'm able to do that and actually at, at this moment the grief is manageable. I don't I don't think you can ever trust it. I don't think you can ever know because at the moment I'm talking to you and I feel completely fine and I'm not, you know, I'm not in a in a period of feeling kind of crippled by the grief in any way. But I also I know the grief well enough to know that I can't trust that and that you know, I can I could step out onto the street in a minute, and something will remind me, and and I I I'll want to cry again. But those times are few and far between now, really. Um, well, I think there's also, isn't there, a, an acceptance of that, and a, a, not a fe- no longer having a fear of that. I think is a big step of of being okay with not being okay I know that's such a cliche yeah. but uh, no, that's so true. Uh, that's so you know true. and just saying yes you know I I did lose my parent and it was horrible and I'm still living with it but I'm still living and I'm still doing what I love and I'm making creating and expressing my love in a in a positive way that will hopefully help other people understand what they're going through exactly and you know that that love is still there. Do you get feedback from from uh, readers who've perhaps lost people and have been touched by what you've written in your books? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I think there's a certain kind of understanding between people who know grief and, and they recognise it in other people. Mm. Yeah, people do they kind of get in touch with me and, and they will as as we were saying you know you look for other people's grief and you want to mm. you want to know what it was like for other people and i think yeah. any any sharing of that is and also i think you know by by us writing about our grief and our loss it it all in a weird way it makes them live forever because it your books will always be around my songs will always be around in case unless spotify takes them all down but uh, <laughs> but you know there is a and maybe that's why we do what we do as well why we create is because it's a way of expressing the love and putting it as a marker like a drawing in a cave you know you're just you're putting it saying this person was here and lived this life and it's 
and it's a memento, isn't it? And it's an expression of the love that we had for them. Yeah. These people were so important and so key, but they went and we're still here and life goes on and we're still doing the stuff that we need to do. And we have to. Well, thank you for talking to me, Manon. No, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for being so open and honest about your grief and um, sharing memories of your mum. All the best with your future books. I look forward to reading them. Lovely. Diolchal. Diolchal. Manon Stefan Ross's latest novel, The Blue Book of Nebo, is out now. It's a brilliant read and it's available online and at all good bookshops. Please make sure that you subscribe and rate this podcast as that will help to spread the word about feels like healing. Thanks for listening.